Ready, Dave? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, everybody. Podcast fans. We're back. We're Super fans. We're back. Hi, we're back for more miscellaneous Podcasting tea. memories. Okay. Well, let's do one at a time. Uh, you talk, then I'll talk. This is Don't Let's Start a Podcast about They Might Be Giants. Thank you guys so much for joining us you've, once again on this magical, mystical journey. You've heard the band. Now hear the man. Which is Jordan. Yeah. Uh, so this is a podcast about They Might Be Giants. And if you're joining us now, this is a continuation of our of our miscellaneous tea. Exploranium. Exploranium. And uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of songs for miscellaneous tea. And it's going to be great. And, and here and we we're, go. And we're just going to go right into it this time because we have a lot to say. Boom. What, what's next? What's up? I'll, I'll sink. sink. Manhattan. Manhattan. I'll sink Manhattan right under the sea. I'll find the sweetest spot to watch as it goes away. You were I'll sink Manhattan. Was that a pretty terrifying song? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when I was younger, I played this for my sister on vacation once as a way to get her into They Might Be Giants. I don't know why I <laughs> picked that song. Bad choice. Um, so I'll sink Manhattan, Dave. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. This is continuing the trend of uh, spurned lovers. This is a song about too much love. Um, it's about a guy who lives in Brooklyn, no personal relation of mine, who um, falls in love with this girl, falls out of love with this girl, and then has to kill everyone in Manhattan to get back at her. It's a universal love song. Yeah, this is something I don't know if Linnell really writes about that at all I think mm -hmm. Linnell writes more from an outside perspective Maybe mm. And Flansburg's songs are more like Revenge songs and stuff like that um, We should talk about the intro Yes And I will do you all a service And reverse the intro So you could hear what's really going on This ties to dial a song. This was a message. Mm -hmm. This album is very dial a songy uh, as a whole, but they they got a message from the NYPD saying we love you, which is first of all like questions. <laughs> so the NYPD questions. the NYPD were like calling dial a song. This is amazing to me. Got to have some have you ever, fans there. Have you ever thought about the context of that clip? Didn't they have better things to do? <laughs> <laughs> the crime wasn't bad in the 80s in Manhattan. Right. What are you talking about? So um, <laughs> so the NYPD is calling dial a song. Uh, this is when you could leave a message, which is so interesting, right? 
uh, which will come into play later, as we know. Oh, boy. But what's funny is using it on the front of a song like this about yeah. someone who's about to commit a a horrible crime right. of murdering everybody in Manhattan. It's funny to put an NYPD clip ahead of that. So it kind of it kind of ties to the what the song is about, yeah, which yeah. is that he's like, I'm fooling the police. No one will catch me kind of thing. Or, or maybe they will, but I, I don't know. And also how they specifically say how they love them. Yeah, we love you. Yeah. It's it's sweet. It's like the most likable thing that NYPD has done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one thing I wanted to talk about before we go more into the lyrics. Uh, so were you at the early years show for, at Irving Plaza? I don't think so. That was at late 90s? Yes. Okay. Uh, so at the early years show in Ir- Irving Plaza, Flansburg introduced this song as saying it was about uh, graffiti that he saw. Yeah, yeah. This next song was pretty much uh, completely inspired by a piece of graffiti I saw uh, around Bowery. This, this song is called... Please hold your applause till you find out which song it is. Because it's a very obscure song that not that many people like. Um, this song is actually called I'll Sink Manhattan. And so... The deal was, I was like walking down the street, I saw this uh, light post, and it said, I'll sink Manhattan, and I thought, that's, that's a really cool idea, you know, Manhattan's an island, sink it, it's cool, that's really cool. And I wrote a song called I'll Sink Manhattan, and then later on I found out there, there, there was actually a band called I'll Sink Manhattan, and they were really pissed. So, my apologies to them, but the uh, song lives on, and this is how it goes. They were pissed. So saying they were pissed, so I started to go, can I find this band? And I, mm-hmm. I did. Huh. <laughs> and I'll, See, Jordan goes the extra step. Yeah. So they're not called, this is how I was able to find it. They're not called All Sink Manhattan. They're called Sink Manhattan. Mm-hmm. But it's from, they're from that time. They're from the mid 80s yeah. in New York. So it stands to reason that this is the band he's talking about. Because mm-hmm. it was called Sink Manhattan. He saw that graffiti and he used it. Now, what's funny to me is him saying they were pissed. I was like, what kind of band are they? And I'm like, oh, I can see them being an angry band. Let's all play some for Dave. This is Chaw Pig. This is a terrifying band. <laughs> Imagine them mad at you. Yeah. How about this? Let's see this one. By the hook. the residence mm-hmm. but scarier so so they're a punk band they're like a so they're like a hardcore sort of, punk yeah. band what would you des- describe them i like? guess but they're a little more artsy actually yeah say. interesting sound design i mean it sounds yeah. really cool I, and i kind of like it <laughs> these songs i'm pretty sure are from 1988 yeah sort of like with the nightgown of the sullen moon book it's like it's not like flansburg was knowingly referencing this band yeah. but as part of the tapestry of this the song and this compilation 
I, I love hearing all this stuff and that's just, that band fits the song to me. I mean, they're yeah. this pissed, fucking pissed off, interesting sound design. But I mean, ultimately, I don't think they're a band that I'd probably be into. Well, it's funny because we still always talk about what a antenna John Flansburg is, right? And mm-hmm. He's this very open, receptive person to what's going on around him, and then he transfers it into something all his own. Yeah. Um, and in that transformation sometimes some thematic themes come out so those sync manhattan songs were from an album called bleak house (laughs) bleak house that's kind of sad and uh it's from 1988 which which about lines up and the cover art for their album is just a bunch of it looks like a bunch of blood on a wall (laughs) yeah a bunch of crap on a wall that's kind of what new york city looks that's kind of what manhattan looks like yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, so, so I've got that covered. So we can move on to the song proper. I always love the line, um, he's my lower half. Yeah. Well, I had a whole thing about that. Yeah. But Flansburg refers to himself all the time as the lower half of They Might Be Giants. Uh-huh. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. And I should say that uh, John Flansburg has been here before, not in Studio 4A, as a member half of the duo They Might Be Giants. The lower half of They Might Be Giants. <laughs> <laughs> But you're here today. Uh, thank you very much. So I, interesting. <laughs> that's like a phrasing that I, you know, I think he uses in a self-deprecating yeah, way yeah. because his partner in in songs are is John Linnell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite lines because quoting the the woman in the song saying like he's my lower half. You laughed. Yeah. I just see people at like it's like they were at a party or something. Exactly you see this too. See yeah, you see this at a party and your significant other like kind of says a mean maybe teasing you into the room oh here's my lower half yeah oh, but you. he's like i lo- it's such a funny relatable too but it's a funny image of this guy like seething yeah like quietly and he's like oh you're gonna regret yeah. saying that little yeah. joke it's really great like he's my lower half you laugh but you're gonna A river of tiny tears flows from your crocodile, crocodile eyes. eyes. That's some beautiful Flansburg uh, mm. lyrics right there. Mm-hmm. I always love that line. He's dehumanizing the the woman, you yeah. know, the the person who who spurned him. Well, crocodile tears are fake tears. Tell me, tell me more about that. Actually, never. This is something I didn't realize in the lyrics for a while that it's off playing off that phrase. Yeah, yeah. It, it means you. Uh, I guess I don't know. I guess crocodiles' uh, eyes uh, tear up a lot. It's not like Do they're they? sad. Are they sad? I don't know. <laughs> they I got know. I know. Good lives. <laughs> Cry me a river. I don't know the tiny tears, crocodiles. <laughs> I don't know the etymology of it, but uh, I know the term. Just well, we have like a crocodile expert yeah. sitting with us. Uh, well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, do crocodiles f- cry tiny tears? <laughs> the that's term. the number one question I get all the time, and uh, I have to say yes, they do. It's just, My crocodile expert is kind of old. His voice is kind of <laughs> wavering well, a little. <laughs> he's Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> I'll sink Manhattan. I'll sacrifice friends. I think they'd understand my plan. I'll never be. I love the line. Uh, again, this is like kind of a new discovery from 
really examining these lyrics. Um, I'll sacrifice friends, which is kind of like a double a double meaning. Because uh, in a breakup, it's like sometimes you lose the friends mm. that your partner had. Oh I mean, my like, god! Yeah, yeah. And then literally, you'll sacrifice. You know, the whole city. That does kind. That, that does happen for um, sure. Yeah, because I mean, I like, haven't been too broken up about that though. <laughs> in the past, I've never really liked the. <laughs> I mean, my half of my friends now are like my wife's friends. You know? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, and they'd have to choose sides. There's, so. I've had some breakups where I'm like, oh, good, I never have to see that fucking person. Yeah, yeah. Like that one friend that I hate again. There was a lot. I had, I had one girlfriend where I despised her friend group. Like hate. I thought they were like hmm. evil people. Yeah. It was. They were actively trying to break us up, and like I just hated them so much. And yeah, so I kind of like that. <laughs> I, I, I'd miss some people. Uh huh. Well, Dave's a big softy. Yeah. Before talking more about the lyrics, let's talk a little about the music, uh, just to to squeeze that in there. Uh, ugh, why did I say that? Um, <laughs> this is another really stripped down song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I really like is the choice to make it so stripped down when you've got some live versions from the day with like Linnell's playing like the baritone sax. Mm -hmm. It's not so much of a creepy sounding. It's more like a little, maybe a little more comical sounding or big sounding with that loud saxophone. Right. Wait! I've got a message. So before I get through, I'll find your answering machine. But they they probably could have done that, but they they chose to make the arrangement like very um underplayed and just these kind of little clickety clackety clickety well, that, clacks. <laughs> that sound of that that mean, I guess, timekeeping sound of like sounds like someone, I don't know, exhaling. Uh-huh. Um, oh, you mean the how? Yeah. How? <laughs> Maybe we should do it together so it sounds like it. How? <laughs> yeah, we nailed it. Um, <laughs> which I don't know. So it almost sounds like an accordion when there's like all the air taken oh, out of it yeah, or something. Yeah. I don't know what That's it is right. exactly, but accordions are weird instruments because they've got. It sounds it. like stepping on someone's neck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's um, a very specific choice. I literally wrote tiny clickety clackety percussion in my notes. Mm, good note. Well, I was going to say, we saw them, going back to our talking about time, I was like, oh, we saw them recently at Prospect Park, um, which, by the way, do you know what year that was? I just looked at it. It was 2013. So that was six years ago. And one of the reasons, besides all the normal reasons to see them, was they, they claimed, they promised they were going to take out some musty crusties, uh -huh. I quote. Yeah, I remember that email. And um, one of the musty crusties they played was this song. That's and they, it was very horn heavy mm. uh, with the arrangement. Well, this song is like really wide open to do anything yeah, with. Yeah. That's kind of what's fun about it. There's a lot of empty pockets yes. to put lots of the stuff. So that is why it is interesting that like the what you have here isn't, there's still very empty sounding. It really sounds like a man alone in a room, you know, and with only his mind with him. That's all we got. Yeah. Um, That's all anyone has. I actually want to go backwards to that 
backwards uh, intro for one reason, Mm -hmm. which is what I like is that right after the backwards intro, which by the way is is quite, you hear this term a lot. It's quite Lynchian. Yeah. You've got a phone ringing in an empty room. (laughs) You've got a phone ringing and then backwards talking Mm -hmm. and you've got a very, a low, like Angelo Badalamente, uh, like tone yeah. going. Doom. Yeah. It's very Lynchian. And I mean that in as literal a sense as I can. But what's interesting is that after the backwards message, there's a backwards symbol, like yeah. that thing that goes. So if you played that backwards, it would just sound like crash. So it's almost like a hint being like, is this backwards? You want to play that part backwards again? I don't know. Maybe it's a hint that the whole relationship was backwards. Everything's maybe he's maybe the narrator has it all backwards. Maybe he was the asshole. Probably (laughs) based on how he's acting. He's going to sink Manhattan. He's probably he's probably a a sociopath, though. He seems to feel things pretty strongly. So maybe he's not a sociopath. He's a psychopath. Well, I think they're the same. They really do mean the same thing as far as as far as I've read. Uh, I don't think there's much of a difference. He's some kind of path. See, psychopath, when you say the word psychopath, you sort of just think of like a crazy serial killer. So I think people invented the term sociopath to be more like your average everyday person who's like this. But psychopath mm. does still mean the same thing. It just means that you have no empathy and you, you know, for anyone, you don't really see people as having like value with, you don't like see anyone's soul, you know, they're just like, whatever. Uh, um, Dave's getting uh-oh. weirded out by the way on how much I know about this. No, I'm getting weirded out by how much I relate. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I do like when he says I'll sacrifice friends. I think they'd understand my plan. I'll never be sure. That's kind of funny. I relate to that. It's dark people get me. Maybe. <laughs> um, I love the, it's interesting that the, I'll find your answering machine and I'll sync it first hmm. because this, like I said, this is like a dial a songy album. So it opens with an answering machine message and you hear a phone ringing, which to me almost evokes the, the ringing and nightgown of the solid moon mm-hmm. to tie that together in a weird way. Well, it all goes back to the homemade thing. Answering machine is in your house. Yeah, yeah. But the, like, it's like a, you know, I feel like that line happened because of all the answering machine dial song stuff that they were currently like doing in their lives, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was on the brain. It was the zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah. A lot of answering machine stuff in the 80s. That's what's what the... That's in the future. That's what they're all going to define the 80s as. You know, in Stranger Things, they're always talking about <laughs> answering machines. I've got a message. So before I get through, I'll find your answering machine and I'll sing it. But yeah, I, I used to be really in love with this song. Mm-hmm. I think maybe then... I stopped being in love with them and like, Oh, it's, it's okay. But cause to me, when I was younger and I was 15 and I had like a dark sense of humor, right? This I was more edgy. Yeah. I was so into like, mm. Oh my God, it's such a dark fucked up song. Now I'm like, yeah, I like it, but it's not, it's not a huge one for me. I do love his uh, vocal performance in this one. Yeah. It's, it's a tour de force. It has a vintagey feel like, you know, it doesn't like, it's sort of like the nightgown of the sullen moon thing. There's a lot of reverb on mm-hmm. it. It's very different sounding for them. And it's a little bit Frank Sinatra y too, yeah. if I can bring it back to that. Sure, it's it's a little exaggerated, you know? Yeah. The river, you know. Burn your forget me not. Admit that true love can die. No, I won't apologize. My love, just kiss me goodbye. 
mention of a flood. <laughs> yeah, look, this may of, of a flood. This, yeah, maybe maybe this song was kind of on his brain when they were thinking of the flood title. Yeah, that's a, that's could be possible. And I also want to point out, I used to be really creeped out when I was younger by like the nose in the background, the no, yeah, because it's just like a a swarm of people like pleading for their lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's pretty freaking creepy. So they don't always match the music with the lyrics. Right, mm -hmm. it's usually people say about they might be giants, sad lyrics with happy music. Right. But this is a song that's the the music. creepy lyrics, creepy music. Exactly, and then we can move on from and there. That's that. Next up. Next up is a big one. Yes, it's not my birthday. Well, the rain falls down without my help. I'm afraid, and my lawn gets wet though I've withheld my consent. When this gray world crumbles like a cake. I'll be hanging from the hoop That I'll never see that recipe again As I walk, I think about a new way to walk As I think I'm using up the time So, it's not my birthday. This song is notorious among They Might Be Giants fans as Linnell puts it being difficult to interpret mm -hmm. or it oh, what he says is it defies simple interpretation. Yeah, And some fans... I noticed on the old news group back in the day, some fans took that as meaning it doesn't have an interpretation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the point is, no, it defies simple interpretation. Then in the, then the earlier's booklet, he says, possibly out of laziness of its young author, <laughs> which is himself. Um, I, I don't like him saying he's lazy because to me, the song is, these lyrics are anything but lazy. To me, these are the most like smartest, most complex lyrics, possibly in all of They Might Be Giants. Linnell talks about how he's lazy a lot. Yeah. And I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. He says he's lazy. Yeah, it's, it's insane. If that's lazy, like what am I? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this one has a lot of great uh, lyrics. Safe to say... Maybe not safe to say in general about some kind of existential crisis. So here, do you want to hear my theory right off the bat? Should I just yeah, go with this? I mean, there's it. other stuff to talk about, like line by line. So I never had a clear idea of what the song was about, aside from maybe a few things people have said. But I was just staring at the lyrics <laughs> and preparing for this episode a few weeks ago. I think it's about an intervention. Huh. So I think it's about an alcoholic who's he comes home <laughs> and there's a bunch of people there like a surprise oh, party funny. and rather than there being like a cake or whatever and you know that ties into the lyrics mm -hmm. there's a bunch of people confronting him so right. he goes it's not my birthday so why are you all here and lunging out at me yeah once i thought of that i was like i think not that every line connects to this uh perfectly but in terms of like what could be like the kind of spark of an idea, right? The the kind of real world situation happening in the song, I feel very strongly that I might be right. Huh. And I I haven't seen anyone say this. Now I'm not saying no one said it. I just I haven't seen it said before. Obviously the alcoholism stuff has been there, has mm -hmm. been talked about. But the literal thing of I, I really see this person coming home and there's all these people there and he thinks, well, it's not my birthday. Why are all yeah. these? Why are all my friends and family here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but now maybe we should go through it line by line. We could try. Well, some of my stuff doesn't necessarily negate that meaning either, but it might. Actually, in a in a rare case of me being not literal and more yeah, <laughs> metaphorical, yeah. it might 
be the underlying um what is the word pathos <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's about someone this happens this, like let's say like the chorus is this happening but uh it kind of sends this person into like a spiral yes right? yes where yeah. they mm-hmm. sort of aren't even a person anymore and they're just like kind of having almost they're kind of having like a spacewalk <laughs> right yeah. through, through like yeah, the exactly. elements mm-hmm. of the world it's just, it's such a, an incredible song um i guess quickly maybe we can talk about the music just because it's such a great song musically yeah uh, i always thought this was very violent femsy sounding Yes. You've got, <laughs> you've got the, um, is this Dave or is this like an AI? Yes. Um, you've got, you know, the, the brush drums and the, the, the bouncy bass and like the acoustic guitar, great Flansburg guitar part, you know, for the chorus, which I love. I, so I used to like, I wish I had a clip, but I don't, but I used to like one of the hardest things I learned on accordion was the chords on, uh, the left arm where it's the buttons, which are so hard to play mm-hmm. by the way, everyone, cause there are fricking buttons that are all the same. And then on my right arm, I tried to do the Flansburg guitar riff and sing at the same time. And I could barely do it, <laughs> but try that out. If you're interested in how hard that is, you got nothing better to do. Try that. <laughs> but yeah, just another, it's sort of like nightgown on the solid moon or it's just like an incredibly great freaking song. <laughs> incredibly melodic wonderful fun so fun to like sing so yeah. fun to play it's all like d chords and a and you know it's like really it's not hard to play you know It has like a really warm quality to it, you know, that acoustic guitar. Well, it is deceptive a little bit in that the music is so fun and then the lyrics. Well, it's like this really short, it sort of is like Nightgown Cell Moon. It's like, it's this really short, fun song. And it's like, you could write a book about these lyrics. It's fucking packed. Yeah. It's really dense. And this, this is why I love the band. You like them? <laughs> yeah, I do. So I guess we'll start. I mean, some of this, I'll, I'll admit, some of this was inspired by, like, I, I know Chris Stengel on the news group did a massive interpretation post of this song. I'm not going to read from it because it's like very dense, but you could ser- search it out yourself. But he made a valiant attempt at unpacking this song. So part of it is inspired by that from years ago. But do you have anything to say about the alcoholism? A li- he did a little. He didn't. Uh, the the intervention thing is all me. Snap. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> think of that. But he he went more into the like metaphysics of it and the cultural references. Mm-hmm. He's good at um taking the cultural references and putting it through the TMBG blender. So the rain rain falls down without my help. I'm afraid. Do you ever notice the the line "I'm afraid" was always the first time he says it, always a little bit separated from the rest of the line. So there's like a slight pause there and yeah. it's just basically separating the words i'm afraid yeah <laughs> i answer what you're saying yeah and that always stuck out to me and i think that kind of like you know um sets the tone for this song yeah look it's not a happy song uh but it's such the lyrics are so dense and complicated that it's even to tell someone it's not a happy song so i'm like a what i didn't even know it was an anything song um but let but i think yeah let's see so the, yeah the rain falls down without my help i'm afraid he can't control the rain right mm-hmm. Part of what I see that line as, if you want to tie it to my intervention theory, mm-hmm. he's like, hey, I can't control everything, Yeah. right? So it's like an alcoholic might kind of, you have to kind of say like surrender to mm-hmm. what's happening. So he's like, maybe it's almost a sarcastic thing. Like he's sort of saying he's only human. 
Maybe. I, right? Uh, okay. <laughs> my lawn gets wet, though I've withheld my consent. Now, Chris Stangle had a very sexually charged <laughs> interpretation of that line, which I can't well, count. that's because he's a sex maniac. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which I can't counterpoint. Uh, I can only say it's extremely interesting, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, obviously, if you put without withheld my consent there's there's some things there consent is a very charged word yeah but and then but even he was tying it to the lawn getting wet stuff. wet is a very charged word do you do you really see Linnell thinking that way too though uh hey i don't know i mean i think there's lots of stuff in the lyrics that we have we have yet to uh understand very sexy band they are <laughs> um lawn gets wet though i've withheld my consent so this is sort of yeah tying to the first line he can't help that the rain is falling down and he can't he can't he can't consent to his lawn getting wet, mm-hmm. right? And again, this sort of does still say to me like this helpless thing. You're you're afraid. You're helpless. You can't control the things happening around you. Do you right? Is this making sense? A lot of this is off the cuff right now, people. By the way, was, people. So then we've got a big line here. When this gray world crumbles like a cake, I'll be hanging from the hope that I'll never see that recipe again. Mm-hmm. So Dave, you know what this is a, a reference to. Yeah, that song. <laughs> <laughs> so MacArthur Park. That's what it was. MacArthur's Park is melting in the dark. All the sweet green icing flowing down. Someone left the cake out in the rain. I don't think that I can take it. Cause it took so long to bake it. And I'll never have that recipe again. Oh, no. Uh, I looked up some stuff about MacArthur Park. It's just basically... That's that song based on that Weird Al song, Jurassic Park. (laughs) Okay, well, full disclosure, the first time I heard the tune was the Weird Al version. Oh, Jordan. First time I heard it or (laughs) heard about it was that Seinfeld episode. (laughs) Which which part? The statue, I believe, where he says, I'll never have that recipe again. And he motioned and knocked over the statue that his mom had. So yeah, it's about a breakup and it's kind of put through the the imagery of this park that the songwriter is observing. Mm -hmm. I guess we should say Jimmy Webb wrote the song. Uh, Richard Harris recorded it. Um, I'll, I'll just say right off the bat, I've always very much disliked this song. Oh, I'm not a fan. Um, I find the music to be extremely unpleasant. <laughs> like the, the melody, right? Do you know what I mean? It's very like, it's sort of the opposite of it's not my birthday on a melodic <laughs> and musical level to me. I mean, if someone's listening and they love the song, that's fine. I just, I've always found it to be like hard to listen to because it has like a, yeah. it has like an uncomfortable, unpleasant chord changes and stuff. It's not my thing. So Linnell is referencing this song because MacArthur Park has the line, um, MacArthur's Park is melting in the dark. All the sweet green, <laughs> I, I don't like these lyrics. All the sweet green icing flowing down. Someone left the cake out in the rain. I don't think that I can take it because it took so long to bake it. It didn't take that long. And I'll never have that recipe again. So Linnell- yeah. So Linnell is saying the gray world crumbling like a cake and he's hoping that he never sees the recipe again. So he's yeah. in full like self-destructive mode, right? Yeah. This narrator in this song. So there's a lot going on there. Gray world crumbling like a cake is like such a, it's like a, a loaded line with a lot it's of sad. imagery. Uh, Jordan. Hanging from the hope is like another hanging. Another pun, hanging I reference. Think. This narrator wouldn't mind if the world crumbled. <laughs> so that's like important. Mm-hmm. Then he goes, as I walk, I think about a new way to walk. As I think I'm using up the time left to think. I think in general, I have a different interpretation. So, But 
I don't want to interrupt your no, I, I don't have anything. I don't have a flow. This song is very challenging, and I was partly excited to talk about it, but partly did not want to talk about it because it's it's Linnell's most like mm-hmm. incredibly obtuse lyrics, in in a way that's different than when he just does something kind of like silly, silly obtuse. It's not silly. Mm-hmm. It's like there seems like there's a lot of deep ideas going on here. So you can say whatever you want. Well, to say. for for me, just because the subject matter is a birthday, right? And birthday is always a reminder. We're getting older. We're getting closer to death, which is a pretty common theme with them already. Mm-hmm. But every lyric otherwise supports someone kind of realizing it doesn't matter if it's their birthday or not. They're going to keep getting older. They're going to keep decaying. <laughs> every every lyric is about understanding that existential dread. To me, you know, there's a lot that supports that. And a lot of it, I think, is also about like having no control, right? Which is like where existential dread comes from. Mm-hmm. You don't have free will. You didn't ask to be born. You didn't <laughs> ask when you're going to die. Uh-huh. You have no control over these things. So like the rain falls down without my help, you know? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I have no control over even the basic thing, like whether or not I'm going to need an umbrella, you know? Not up to me. Yeah. And he's afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when this gray world crumbles like a cake, he's going to have no choice when the world ends, when his world ends, you know, either metaphorically or literally. Mm. As he walks, he's thinking of a new way to walk. Like, is there a different way to approach this? He's using up his time left to think. I don't mm. know. Every, everything I guess is like... If we're to go into the my thing of it being like an alcoholic who's... I feel like if you're if you're an addict, you're kind of like you're easily bored you know you need like that Mm -hmm. stimulus so he's like he's walking he's just kind of like fidgety i don't think our interpretations are mutually exclusive i think no 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 i don't it could have brought on that dread yeah yeah that's what that's kind of what i mean and his train keeps rolling off the track like a train of thought you know and or his life or yeah well that's the thing so yeah each line is so loaded with all these different Mm -hmm. interpretations it's like crazy because Linnell's so lazy. <laughs> well, even the line, it's on my birthday, why do you lunge out at me? It's <laughs> yeah. like, what, Like, why do you keep having this jarring reminder that I'm getting older, that time is passing? Oh, sure. I like that. I like that a lot. You know? um, well, then, so that's the chorus. And then when the word comes down, never more will be around. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm satisfied with my interpretation. Yeah. Oh, so you're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have more. <laughs> oh, okay. So, well, never more, you know, from... The Raven, yeah. which I'm sure we know because of The Simpsons. <laughs> that might be true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I might we might have sad. read it in English class before that, but that's when I, I can't help but think of. Yeah, I mean, Nevermore is it ties with what you're saying. It's mm. the idea of like things won't exist anymore when the word comes down. Nevermore will be around. See, like it's funny because Stengel's thing was all about the Beatles song, the word. It's like hmm. the, the idea of because saying when the word, like you're you're pointing out you're pointing attention to like what word, what the word. So he thought there was maybe a connection there. What do you think of the line? Uh, I know you used to say that to me a lot. Uh, I'm not the only dust my mother raised. I used to say that to you a lot. Yeah. Like in what context? Like when we're like paying the check at a diner or something. <laughs> when I'd be like your mama. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot. That's another insanely dense line that I can't even begin to wrap my head around. But I mean, so I wish we were there. Even that I'm like, where? So he's like, when the word comes down, nevermore will be around, though I wish we were there. So we, so mm. that, see, like, it's like you have to take each word and be like, oh, that's introducing a, a more uh, world building in the song. So he's yeah. saying, so that means he's singing to someone, you know what I mean? Saying we, unless he means we as a, as a human race. That's what I think. Oh, really? Yeah. So I wish we were there. I was less than we could bear. 
See, I feel like if you're an alcoholic and you're ruining your relationships from like bad behavior, mm. you're like more than someone could bear. So you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I relate. I'm more than anyone. Could but bear. saying I was less than we could bear, uh, I don't know why you would say that. And then I, so I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not the only dust my mother raised. That I have to admit, I'm a little. Uh, I know that the the old news group post talked about like Mother Earth and being like the yeah. earth, earth and dust and like connecting these things, kind of connecting like you were saying, like the becoming dust in the end, right. you know, like dust to dust, ashes to ashes. You well, know. then I did know. Yeah. So, but I'm not the only dust my mother raised. It's like such mother a confusing earth. line. So I'm. Well, this verse relates a lot to yeah, so, intervention. So here we it's go. It's all about liquids. So, so I'm rattling the bars around this drink tank. Discreetly I should pour through the keyhole or evaporate completely. But there'd be no percentage and there'd be no proof. And the sound upon the roof is only water. And the rain falls down. So he's rattling the bars around this drink tank. Uh, so, you know, he's maybe... He's arrested. I always see like, you know, they lunge out at him. He leaves <laughs> and he gets drunk and then maybe gets arrested. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, drink tank is a funny plan words. Well, just when you were saying it now, I was like, I, does he mean drunk tank? Yeah. So drunk tank uh, and saying, calling it rattling the bars. I mean, obviously that brings to mind a prison around this drink yeah. tank. I don't know what the plan words mean. Like, I don't know why not say drunk tank. I guess he's trying to make it a little more elusive mm. for sure. I should pour through the keyhole or evaporate completely. I mean, this to me is sort of the the center of the song where he's like mm -hmm. imagining himself as like a, as a drop of water or a drop of rain or a drop right. of alcohol, you know, some like he's the, the liquid thing. Well, percentage and proof definitely points to alcohol. Yeah. Without question. You know what? Yeah, because he, he's like, Maybe he's saying I can beat this alcohol thing. I'm gonna turn in. I'm gonna purge the alcohol from me, and I'm gonna just be water. I'm gonna be like ninety percent water, which is what <laughs> people are. And there'll be no percentage, and there'll be no proof because I'm going to be. You but know what I you mean? You think it's a double meaning? Then I mean, it's a pun. It's a play on words because you know alcohol is a certain amount of proof. No, no, I know. I'm saying. I'm saying. This is occurring to me now, but yeah. I'm saying maybe it's like this kind of a hope, maybe a slightly hopeful, mm -hmm. where he's saying, you know, no more alcohol in me. No more. No more percentage. No more proof. Mm -hmm. Just pure. You know, this pure thing. This pure water from the earth that we're, right. we're all a part of and then the sound upon Maybe. the roof is only water and it's like that's a line that also kind of throws me again <laughs> see I, what had did a, you have about I had a thought about that because i actually found that line disturbing oh um, okay so not positive to me that kind of denoted that going with the theme of everything else i was talking about mm -hmm. in the song the universe doesn't care when we're getting older the, the things that we perceive as like the sound of rain and that's like meaningful to us because it's us perceiving the world around us. It's only water to the universe. Though, In other words, the universe is not doing it for our benefit. It's not like, oh, it's raining so you can experience what rain is. Like, no, it's raining because sometimes it rains and I don't care that it's your birthday. <laughs> um, to me, that was like a very kind of like free will existential crisis line. It's only water. It's not, in other words, it has no meaning. Oh. Hmm. Suck it. <laughs> Or I mean, it's it could be that he's saying the sound, you know, because he wants the world to end, mm -hmm. and he's like, "Is this is the sound outside like the apocalypse?" And he's mm -hmm. like, "No, it's just raining," you know, like <laughs> that could be a part of it too. I was gonna also bring up this reminded me of a just quickly. This was a bad religion lyric. Rain came down like judgment across my window pane. Rain came down like judgment, but it was only rain. 
So in other words, assigning like a greater meaning to this thing that's happening, but really it's, that's not what it is. We're assigning the meaning to it. Which is ironic for this song because, you know, it's, as we've, we're displaying here is like people can come at it from all these different yeah. angles. I do think the general thread of it's like a person, there's an alcoholism problem. There's a problem, I think, with their relationship in some way. And it's just like this person's having some sort of like a metaphysical crisis mm-hmm. where he's like disassociating, kind of like left my body, mm-hmm. actually. He's like disassociating himself from his own body and like kind of traveling the world in, in a in a state of like, in a, like some sort of a hallucinogenic state of, you know, trying to figure out what it's all about kind of thing. I mean, it's definitely about a person in distress, which yeah. is really funny because it's birthday related. But at the same time, but like not the only dust my mother raised, the idea of like our birth and our mm-hmm. mankind being created and, you know, not saying not the only dust my mother raised is like means that there's other things out there, right? Mm-hmm. There's other other aspects Maybe he has a twin brother. Yeah, yeah. There we twist. It's like a soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> he comes in with a mustache. We figured this song out, everyone. Yeah. Why do you think he he is referencing MacArthur Park? Is there any thematic thing we can pull from that? Well, I mean, it has the cake motif. I mean, it could be as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, the idea that this cake, uh, you you can never make it again because you right. don't have the recipe. It's just the is, cake as metaphor. It's for... a weirdly dire situation mm-hmm. for a cake, um, and saying this gray world. You know, I mean, gray is like such a loaded word because it's, yeah. it's always a bad thing. <laughs> you ever say I think it has something? a bad rap? Yeah, you never. Oh, really? You're you're a gray guy. I like gray. Dave is gray. Gray as it gets. Uh, I I think we should move on to the next song. I'm gonna still continue to think about this song. I think we all will together, and we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. Yeah, maybe we'll do a, it's not my birthday special. I would like to do that. Just to bring it back to just how great a song it is, it's just amazing. It's amazing to me this is a B-side. I mean, yeah, as yeah. we've learned, like They Might Be Giants don't quite treat B-sides in any kind of way, except uh, because their albums have songs that are weird B-side-ish songs yeah, on yeah. them too. Um, so it's like, I always think like, well, why would you put It's Not My Birthday as a B-side, but then do like, I don't know. Chesapeake's Face. Chesapeake's Face or You'll Miss Me or something that's kind of yeah. like, a little bit more of like a, a strange mm-hmm. like diversion on an album. But then again, you know, if you want a, a sequence to be a roller coaster ride, if you have single after single of great song, yeah, none of them will sound like singles. It's like it's you like contrast. I, I've seen. I think someone who was like writing Justice League <laughs> was saying it's like you kind of have to underserve every character because mm-hmm. you have all these huge characters in a story right, they're all gods. that they can't, you can't really do a great justice league or it's challenging rather to do a great justice league story about Batman because there's like six other characters mm-hmm. there. So, well, you need some peaks and valleys. I think it just boils down to that. And sometimes the valleys are like my favorite songs. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's move on to the next one, which is kind of a little intermission on the album, yeah. I think. Right. Uh, and it's called Hello Radio. Hello, 
So this song used to creep me out a little bit. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't worry. I wouldn't make fun of you for being scared of hello radio. <laughs> yeah, the way he says hello and it creeps around yeah. your ears in the stereo field. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a guy trying to see if you're home or not. Yeah, it's weird. So I have one very minor theory. Do you think it has anything with like the CB radio thing? Like someone, is anyone out there kind of thing? Because hmm. Flansburg is, we've certainly talked enough about the CB radio yeah. references in their songs. I don't know. I probably not. Hey man, let's not, let's not dismiss anything. Yeah. There's not a lot about this song. Um, they mm -hmm. used to come on stage to it mm -hmm. in like the eighties and I could play a clip of that just to fill up <laughs> some time. It's a little instrumental and it's kind of kind of cute, but then it gets kind of creepy. And Dave, yeah. Dave, you were saying something about the timing. The timing is very strange in all of it. None of it, there doesn't seem to be a logic behind when everything instruments is, come in. Everything is separate from its from everything. Yes. Like the drum pattern doesn't seem to match with what the other things are doing. This might be part and parcel due to the fact that Flansburg said it was a throwaway thing. Yeah, where did he say that? Did you see that on the? I just saw it on the wiki. On the wiki, yeah. I I always There's that kind of made me sad it. when I saw that because I was like, oh come on, don't say that about a song. And it said it, it wasn't on the release so they clearly didn't think much of it because it wasn't even on the uh i can't remember what it was it wasn't on the european version so the history of hello radio we're trying to figure out um it wasn't really on anything it really just first showed up on miscellaneous t uh before that it was on something called the lincoln sampler in 1988 which was a strange little release of just like just like a promo of, of some songs from lincoln and that's kind of interesting at the time that that was on it yeah because if you got that you had this like crazy weird exclusive little they might be mm. giant song um but flansburg describing it as a throwaway thing i have to say it doesn't thrill me to see mm -hmm. the people that i'm a fan of talk about the things i like as throwaway even if i mean it's not like i'm a diehard hello radio fan but it still makes me feel bad for the song <laughs> right Poor hello radio yeah, I mean, it's, it's, then he says, it's quite literally saying hello to people who are on the radio. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't even, he, he's acting like that's a self-explanatory yeah, statement. Like, don't you get it? <laughs> it's like saying hello to people on the radio. What does that even mean? And why was it done in such a creepy way? Yeah. <laughs> in the first place. It's really quiet too in the mix. I yeah. remember like when I was younger being like, do you hear that? Um, yeah, it's spooky. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't have, I don't have too much of a theory. Um, it is interesting that he named his CD of the month club, the hello CD of the month club, mm -hmm. and then the hello, the band and all that stuff. He likes the word hello. He likes the word hello. Well, Flansburg's a friendly guy. Yeah, he says hello a lot. So I think when you first see him, he'll give you a big hello. Hello. And you go, ah, that's that Flansburg saying hello. People, we don't have too much to say about this, <laughs> but um, I think we have more to say about it than most people, right? It's an instrumental. It's an instrumental. It's kind of in the middle of the album, and I, I've always quite liked it. It's a cute little melody. 
I always wonder, I still always wonder who does what. Like, did Flans Richards do this himself? I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. It's 55 seconds long. <laughs> okay. What else do we want to say about it? <laughs> It's got letters in it. It's uh, you yeah. got your H. So, but that's you got your E. That's hello radio. Maybe one day we'll we'll uncover something more about this song. You got your double L. Do you think this music? It kind of sounds like music in an elevator, huh. right? Like a mall music or elevator music. Yeah, I mean, I it seems to be like aggressively, like like kind of uh, aggressively not aggressive, <laughs> like <laughs> kind of boring, kind of yeah. like very gentle and kind of um. Like there's no emotional element to the instrumental at all. And it's not like it's super fun either. And it's not <laughs> like it's, um, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's a strange genre. It's kind of jazzy. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. They could make a song that has four genres in one. <laughs> yeah. And yet sound like no genre. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what is, what is this? Yeah. I do like how the, the bass sounds like a upright. Yeah. Like a jazzy stand up yeah. bass. There's like synth horns everywhere in like, it's sort of a synth, quiet synth strings in the background too. Yeah. That are don't again. They don't seem to be timed exactly yeah, yeah. to what's happening, and that's that strange synth sound. The how would you even I do it? Yeah. That reminds me of that other when we talked about the other episode of Flansburg saying that they would bring producers yeah. <laughs> sounds that they totally made up at home, and the producer would be like, well, "What is this?" Uh, yeah, parts, parts of it almost sound like a weird conversation. <laughs> between like yeah different weird Counter uh, melodies and things are kind of like that part you're talking about sounds like you know someone going like what you know <laughs> I, I don't even know how to describe it yeah and we're going to move on to the next track which is quite a track and it's <laughs> i like it track nine mr, mr. claw, claw. Um, I would have, I would love to see the footage of Linnell, uh, doing that vocal mm. <laughs> for, for the first part of that song. That's a crazy performance from him. Yeah. I've, I didn't know it was him for a while. Like I wasn't sure. How do you know? Uh, they did it live, which was shocking. And oh. Linnell did it. Cool. Um, and I know it's a Linnell song. It's a lot weirder than normal for him. I mean, yes. this is him doing really freaky, crazy shit. Maybe he caught some of that Flansburg bug and he's like, I want to that, do That's kind of what I was, I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, but this, there's a lot to talk about with this song. The first uh, we should say is the Mr. Ed <laughs> reference. Yeah. Hello. I'm Mr. Ed. 
A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. A. Go right to the source and ask the horse. He'll give you the answer. The lyrics are a play on the Mr. Ed theme song. Yes. Uh, Mr. Ed is a show that was... (laughs) They used to put peanut butter on his gums to make the horse look like he was talking. So it was a talking horse sitcom. He used to help help Wilbur out of some jams. So Linnell is adopting the, the, the phrasing of the Mr. Ed song to talk about this Mr. Claw guy, mm-hmm. which, uh, Dave, do you know who it's about? I believe we, I, though I didn't find this anywhere, but I know we've talked about that. It's about Irving Claw. So, right? yeah. The, the I don't know if that's verified or not. Well, it depends what you mean by verified. Um, like PayPal. <laughs> so Irving Claw, and mm-hmm. I want to, I have to give credit that this was another Chris Stengel thing from the old news group. Uh, mm-hmm. He posted a Mr. Claw post that just said like, I sincerely believe that Mr. Claw is about Irving Claw, spelled K-L-A-W. And a lot of the um, the lyrics tie into yeah, that, even yeah. though the lyrics, as as strange as they are, they they start and to make scant. a <laughs> yeah, they start to they start to come a little into focus. No pun intended, because we're talking about a cameraman, uh, or very pun intended. Why don't we just intend it? <laughs> you know what? You're right. We're gonna when I if I'm president, I will intend all puns. Let's make that a new thing. Everyone's so ashamed of puns. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Pun very intended. God, it gets me so mad. So anyway, the lyrics do uh, become a little more clear when you learn a little bit about Irving Claw. And Irving Claw was a photographer, uh, filmmaker, merchandiser who is most most famously involved with Betty, Betty Page. Page. Yeah, and um, you know, I was looking for interviews with. There's really no there's no footage of him hmm. as far as I could find for like weeks. There's no really interview footage. There's a there's a awkward interview with his uh widow which i found but it's not even worth uh putting a and clip. they worked together i believe right yeah they yeah. were like a partnership yeah. um, doing these like fetish videos and yeah. these so no one really has seen many talking claws <laughs> because they're mostly silent those silent yeah. those silent film reels that irving claw did of betty page right. and stuff did not have talking in them but there is a talking claw called teaserama but then he says, unless that claw is the famous Mr. Claw. So, right. so while, you know, Linnell's adopting these Mr. Ed lyrics, so I, I don't know <laughs> how much stock I'd put in the logic behind them, but there is, you know, Teaserama is the movie that uh, Mr. Claw, Mr. <laughs> Mr. I was just going to call him Mr. Claw, it, the, the movie that Irving Claw directed, and it does have talking in it. Mm-hmm. Betty Page does not talk in it, but there's like these dudes in the middle between them doing little vaudeville bits. I know that's what I always want. Yeah. For dancing girls. <laughs> yeah. It's a little comedy are... from men. Yeah. Well, here I am once again, folks. Hey, Dave, how you been? Hey, Joe, where you been? I've been looking oh, for you. How I've you been? been? I've been looking for oh, you. I've been in Paris. You've been in Paris? Oh, land of romance. How about If that? a man has three girls, he's called an orchid. In Paris? That's right. And if he walks down the street with two girls, he's called a daisy. A daisy? Uh-huh. And if he walks down the street with one girl, he's called a rose. A rose. How about that? Say, how do you rate? Shake hands with a stinkweed. Stinkweed. Oh, so so Teaserama was actually it was re-released in 1993, so a few years after Mr. Claw the song. Mm-hmm. So Linnell at the time might not have known that there was a Talking Claw that one mm-hmm. could watch. And then the only other the lyrics, you know, Mr. Vanity Claw. I mean, definitely is 
I guess that would have to do. Yeah, with, that one. I don't know. Uh, well, I guess the idea that it's like a visual, uh, visual medium, and there's like girls dancing, and I don't know, Mr. Vanity Claw, Mr. Lightning Bulb is to me the big one because he's a photographer. Yeah. So a lightning bulb would be like flash photography, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Mr. Dental Flaw is completely baffling to me. Did he have bad teeth? I tried to find a picture of the guy. I can't. Mm. I can't tell. Let's try one more time. Because if you, the problem is, if you Google Irving Claw, all that comes up is the films he's done. Uh, not so much pictures of. Oh wait, there is a picture of him. Ah, here we go. Wait, his picture from smiling. We're gonna zoom in on his teeth. Buddy Page was so pretty. Really, I don't think anyone would agree with you on that. Dave, oh, here's, I don't appreciate the sarcasm. Here's here's a picture of Irving Claw. Irving Claw looks exactly as how I would have pictured him in my brain. Okay, wait. Breaking news, people. His smile does seem a little weird. No, he does have a fucking dental flaw. Holy shit! It looks like well, his front teeth has a weird thing in it. Um, I wish these photos were better quality. So here's what we're we we Google image Irving Claw, and there's a few low quality photos of him like smiling with Betty Page. And you can kind of tell that his his mouth... He might have a gap in his tooth. It or looks like a, a, a chip. Yeah, it looks mm. like a, a gap or something chip in it. So Mr. Dental Flaw might be totally yeah. accurate. I, maybe Linnell had like these weird old books around about... Yeah. I mean, Linnell is interested in photography. We can talk right. about that. Like he always, in interviews with him, he'll go on about how he like collects old cameras. Yeah, yeah. And he's written an article or two about taking photos with his old camera. So Linnell might have like, be a fan of Irving Claw. We found this color photo of Irving Claw and Betty Page laughing. It's a really cute photo, but there he has a big gap in his teeth in the front. So there yeah. you go. Dental flaw. It's not, I don't see it as a flaw. I think it's beautiful. But you can see that why that, that it substantiates yeah. the reference in the, the lyrics. So why do you think the need for a song about <laughs> Irving Claw? I guess would be I don't know. Is it, about, is it about needing it? <laughs> uh, or wanting I, it? I mean, like I said, I, I think Linnell being a photography fan is pretty, ties yeah. pretty interestingly into this. And it, it definitely fits the, they might be giants mold of writing songs about these like pop culture people or these people right. who are kind of, kind of on the fringes. Yeah, of, I, I guess it's debatable. See, I was going to say, you know, another band might write a song about Betty Page. Yeah. Many have done it. Uh, I watched some clips of Betty Page stuff and there were like people on YouTube kept using all these songs about Betty Page and them. And I kind of rolled my eyes a little it's, bit. It's kind of interesting to do, you know, something about uh, the men, the man behind, behind the, the camera, the page. Yeah. And mu- musically, the song is like so crazy. So it's Linnell is playing guitar. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little. I, I don't understand what he's doing as, as, as we both play guitar. Yes. Um, I'm certainly no guitar expert. Uh, I'm not that good. Uh, I can play chords <laughs> and I write songs, but I've, I've never been good at, you know, tabs. Like, you know, I kind of, my eyes can't figure out what a tab is. It's just too complicated for me. I mean, it sounds like he's kind of just playing whatever the fuck. It seems like it's in a bizarre tuning. Yeah. It's a really strange tuning, I think. And this riff is very sloppy and Mm -hmm. weird sounding, but I have a feeling that if one were to try to replicate it, it would be very hard. Yeah. And then there's the voice that he's (laughs) using, and then 
the you know the strange effects on the voice and then there's when the, the drums come in which by the way for the live version was pretty awesome they hmm. turned it they made it into a pretty epic song live they playing it live they played it for like one tour and they turned it into they turned it into a showcase for kind of joking around mm. where uh where linnell and flansburg would be echoing each other's lines right. in funny ways so they made it into oh, kind of awesome. like a showpiece and i appreciated that and i appreciate that they were taking this crazy old b-side <laughs> from miscellaneous tea and making a big deal out of it um i wish they would do that more often this song falls into the category of songs I have no reason to like as much as I do, but I really do. <laughs> uh, we said that about Christmas cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, it's kind of similar to Christmas cards. It is a little tonally. bit. Tonally. Yeah, I I love Mr. Claw. It just gets in my brain, crawls up in there and makes a little bit. It's just bed. so interesting. I mean, even knowing, I mean, before knowing it was about Irving Claw. It was more it was, interesting. It was interesting. <laughs> but I, but I'm, what I, I guess my point was that knowing that, it's not less interesting at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still like completely mysterious and compelling because mashing the Mr. Ed theme to stuff about Irving yeah, Claw yeah. and then, uh, then mixing that with the music all in all, Mr. Claw is like one of their most interesting, unpredictable songs. It's funny because it is, it's not very musical, but I love it all the same. It's always been a favorite. One thing I want to mention about Irving Claw, you know, he's born in Brooklyn. I mean, this, this hmm. is kind of like maybe more just of that Brooklyn mythology, New York mythology stuff that they, you know, that they're yeah. interested in. And also the other thing I wanted to say, while I was like looking at his stuff and researching a little for this episode, it's like, the Betty Page stuff and like the fetish photography stuff, like it's all so adorable, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it's not like the stuff that you'd see if you Googled fetish today. It's just, it's very, mm-hmm. something. It's very like sweet quality yeah. to it all, which I think what appealed to so many people. Well, that, I mean, that movie was all about just, uh, the notorious Betty Page. Yeah. You mean that's a great movie. Yeah. I liked the movie a lot. I, I think a lot of it was just about empowerment and kind of, um, destigmatizing sex yeah it's because it's just it's it's not done like everyone looks so happy <laughs> in the photos and i yeah. wonder if that's a quality that Irv, i mean it must be a quality that irving claw brought to it like right. maybe he was making them feel happy and good while doing it whereas in any right. you could see another photographer it, it would be harder to Make get that bad yeah or you know this, or ashamed or it, just it could like so easily go the smutty. other way yeah it could so easily go the other way well the fact that his wife helped him with this too yeah just a very healthy you know, attitude he's towards an inter- sex. yeah he's an interesting person or he was he's my hero <laughs> yeah <laughs> well he was you know he was i mean according to the movie anyway there was all these things yeah. about him in court and fighting mm. censorship and yeah well they taught his wikipedia like many wikipedias it does not have like a happy ending mm. he just kind of retired right away because of all the, the controversy and the hearings and all that stuff but i mean people like him paved the way for lots of different kinds of art 
Yeah, yeah. And it's just it is ironic because like the, the Betty Pages of it, it's pretty tame, you know, and yeah. it's and it's it's not just tame in a literal sense, like the you know, what's happening, but it's just it, the tone of it. It's really right. the tone of it. It's not dark. It's no. not uh it's not shameful. I mean, I think that's really what the tone is about. It's just about like how much shame you want to put into it. Yeah. Which personally I have plenty of. <laughs> Yeah. So like a, a claw is a claw, you know, that's, that's just, what saying, it, it is what it is. And just back off, step off, bro. What kind of claw do you imagine? Well, I don't imagine a claw cause I imagine a, a, a man. <laughs> yeah. A lobster claw, Dave. Uh, a You're claw, such a child. A claw from those big choice machines. I thought know? we were reaching like a deep place with this song and he's, you're trying to, I imagine a, a crane machine claw yeah, that a big gets choice little machine. stuffed animals. Yeah. That's a big choice machine. There's this mall near me where it's it's like it's like getting away with murder. It's just the easiest crane machine I've ever played. Mm. And I've always get so much stuff you don't need. I've I usually do two two stuffed animals at a time in one damn people. Do you hear this in one swoop? And it's easy to do it with Anybody that machine. Anybody going on a date, you want to impress them? This is Take the Take them to this really crappy mall in uh, in Queens. It's really bad. It's not Queen Center Mall. It's one that's far. Yeah, I was going to say you'll have to specify no, crappy mall in Queens. It's really... No, Queen Center Mall is a nice mall. This is like a very depressing mall where most of the stores are, are closed and it's... Well, what uh, is a mall anymore? <laughs> well, even even compared to your standard Amazon. mall, this one is really bad. Um, the food court is like, you've never heard of any of the places in it. It's like knockoffs of McDonald's. <laughs> can, can you riff a couple? Uh, no, I can't. All right. So why would Linnell use the Mr. <laughs> the Mr. Ed theme song? One of, I'd say one of the silliest songs ever made. Would you agree? I don't know if I can have a informed opinion on that. I haven't heard every silly song <laughs> you didn't you didn't uh get that cd i sent you that <laughs> compilation called every silly 500 song. silly songs yeah <laughs> that eight disc set <laughs> oh man that's a great set it's i mean it seems pretty three of the discs are they might be giant songs that are all silly and and silly and cutesy it seems pretty standard fare for uh sitcom sure the time that not to be too serious yeah i guess most sitcom themes weren't uh gritty and <laughs> i don't know like i dream a genie bewitch they're all silly sure well they're those... all fucking stupid <laughs> yeah I, there's something about the mr ed song that is yeah it is, it a, is little... a talking horse it's very you know like dr seussian and kind, right. of, kind of fun so why would he use this as the template template or template Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> i stumped dave um Tem I think either one's fine. Okay. Uh, why? Fancy people like King say so template. Tramps say tramps template. Tramps say template. Yeah. So, wait, which one? <laughs> tramps say, we disagreed there. Tramps say temp template. Template sounds more lower and class. And kings say temp template. template. Here's the template. Why would he use that to do a song about, and I say about right. in quotes, uh, Irving Claw, um, I think part of it is like just the pop culture blender. Sure. Right. It's yeah. just like, it's like all is up for grabs. Right. It's like Irving Claw is like this fetish photographer that maybe at the time some people th thought was, you know, like garbage mm -hmm. uh, and got mad about. But then over time it became something people take pretty, have like a lot of respect a, like for. It's like, yeah, like a iconic, a iconic stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, maybe saying the Mr. Ed's theme, it could be right there with 
<laughs> like, Maybe. like all these things are in the, the the past, like part of it. When, when was Mr. Ed? Let me that go. was one thing I was going to ask. Was there, sure. did they come up around the same time? And then the other thing I was going to say, do you think it's intentional? Like the most innocent reference to the most like lurid reference, but they're both Mr. <laughs> so Mr. Ed was from 1961 to 1966 and Irving Claw. Uh, Irving Claw might have been slightly earlier, right? <laughs> did, they, did they meet? <laughs> that was a good crossover That's episode. like the, the from hell of, uh, it's like when Elephant Man meets like the Jack the Ripper. That's, <laughs> this would be our like from hell. And Irving Claw was operational in, uh, well, he died in 66. He died the same year Mr. Ed got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> he, Mr. Ed died, but then they they still use the horse for a few yeah, put, few more episodes. They put peanut butter on his whole body. Yeah, those last those last few episodes are a little d- uncomfortable. But if you can divorce from you know, uh, if you separate the art from. I think that's really funny. But um, <laughs> Betty Page and Teaserama. Yeah. That's so that's the fifties. God, can you imagine doing that shit during like McCarthyism? No, I know, and, that's and it's crazy. it's 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 crazy. I mean, it must have been for people who kept that stuff inside you know what i mean like they're the things that they're into um probably why it happened (laughs) yeah just like oh i can't do this but yeah back then though to to then see that you could see that stuff must have been crazy i mean before that it was just like cave paintings right i think so (laughs) betty cave sounds right um (laughs) so that was mr claw and everyone check out check out irving claw's work because there's there's something really nice about it there's something hope that's not a controversial thing i don't think it is right yeah yeah who cares who gives a fuck (laughs) okay anyway and from the musical magistry of mr claw i almost felt like saying mr mr claw um to the the next song (laughs) dave which is kiss me son of god alternate version alternate I built a little empire out of some crazy garbage called the blood of the exploited working class. But they've overcome their shyness, now they're calling me your highness, and the world screams, kiss me, son of God. So, I don't know what you listeners are expecting from us, but... You expect the world. But we, we're not going to talk too much about this because it's not as uh, unique as the other songs. It's not drastically different from the it's album It's the same version. song. It's just parts are taken away. Yeah, it's the same song. It's, I mean, what I'll say about it is it's the way that they would basically do it live right. for a ton of shows in the, in the 80s and I think early 90s too. We're going to do a little song now that's about heaven and God. Now, this song actually isn't really about God. It's just, it just invokes the idea of God to make the point. And the song is called Kiss Me, Son of God. I built a little empire out of some crazy garbage called the blood of the... So it captures that. Well, I do like that it, again, fits the uh, stripped-down homemade apartment feel of it. Yeah. Of miscellaneous to you as a whole. So this version predates the Lincoln version, which I think is interesting. 
<laughs> not that interesting, according to Dave's face. But um, that's, that's unrelated. Yeah. Uh, I like that you can really hear the harmony. You can hear their, with them as a duo. Uh, I obviously love hearing the accordion playing front and center yeah. because I like accordions. <laughs> What's not to like? What's Yeah. Um, I sincerely believe that. What's not to like about accordions? Do you know my dad used to play accordion? I didn't know Did that. Did I ever tell you that? No. Tell me now. Uh, yeah. My dad played accordion in his younger years for a number of years. <laughs> and um, he said he tried to play piano and he was always confused that the keys were <laughs> horizontal and not vertical. That's, That's what like Weird Al said, to. too. Oh. He's asked wow. a lot, do you play piano? He always says that. Is your dad Weird Al? <laughs> I can see it. No. Oh, that's not a no. Um. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's a very um, untalked about chapter, I guess, of my dad's life that he never mentions ever. But I remember a couple that's times gonna be the out. name of of Dave's autobiography, Untalked About Chapters. Oh. <laughs> it's a great name. So so yeah, Kiss Me Son of God. Does alternate. that make you like my dad more? Uh, I already liked Dave's dad. Cool. Uh, I like Dave's him too. dad is a gentle soul. He is. <laughs> um, this has been dad talk. <laughs> Yeah. So next up, um, but but really though, we we don't want to go too much into the song because there's just not there's not the, yeah. the there's a lot to talk about for the next song. What version do you prefer? Oh, good question. I prefer the Lincoln version. Me too. Um, the, this version <laughs> is maybe I, I could argue this. This version is more. They might be giantsy. You know. In what sense? It sounds like it's more of a comedic song almost. Mm-hmm. I look like Jesus, so they say, but Mr. Jesus is very far away. Now you're the only one here who can tell me if it's true that you love me and I love me. You know, the Lincoln version is is almost so convincingly like this loungy kind of... right. Uh, big band tune or whatever, or medium band maybe, <laughs> um, that, y- you know, you could just listen to it and enjoy it and not even think too much about the lyrics, I think, maybe. I'm kind of throwing this off the top of my head here. But uh, this version is really lyrics front and center. Right. Well, I guess the other, the Lincoln version kind of pads it out a lot more and you start focusing on the instrumentation. And as yeah, you said, you it know, classes the joint up a lot. It classes. And, you know, as some, not to sound highfalutin, but as someone who's composed music and arranged music, and I, I love what's going on in the Lincoln version. I really, I really love the little piano parts and it's really um, well, um, it's like an organized song, which sounds silly, but it's, we talked about this a little already, but I, it's just like every part plays off each other really well. I had a music class in college, which was rare because me and Dave both went to school of visual arts, but there was one year where they introduced like a sound class. School like, of audio arts. Yeah. And I, yeah, I was like, I've heard of visual arts, but oh, I think about this a lot, maybe just to, to get my own ego up there. But my, my teacher, it was a music class and we were tasked with making little music pieces in the class, like for those like two hours or three hours or whatever it was. And I kind of went full speed ahead because as Dave knew me back then, I made music constantly by myself, like mm. in my room. So in the in a classroom setting, I was really eager to to show everyone up and I, I made nonstop music there and was like, here's my new thing. Here's another thing I made. Everyone in the class seemed kind of bored and uninterested in anything. That's fine. It was weird. Um, but the teacher did say, you're really good with counter melodies. Ooh. She said, "It sound, what your songs all sound like the instrument. She? 
Yeah. Um, yeah, you know that Hot for Teacher uh, music video? It was, wow. it was just like that. Um, she, uh, she said, your songs all sound like the instruments are talking to each other. And I was like, oh my God. That's you know who else did that? Mozart. <laughs> there you go. But they've overcome their shyness. Now they're calling me your highness. And the world screams. Kiss me, son of God. So the instruments talking to each other thing really stuck in my head, maybe because it was such a simple way of putting it instead of a music technical way, which does not, which goes right over my head. Um, but I always thought about that, that They Might Be Giants were great with that too. Yeah, especially, they're very good at counter melody. Yeah, especially like when you hear just like a Linnell home demo and it's all these things happening. Like I'm Your Boyfriend Now is good at that. That's one thing I'd say I'm probably not that great at is I'm trying to get better at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, practice makes... I think that's one of the big appeals of them in general is their ability to put all these things in a space that makes sense. Like a counter melody. And not just that, but, um, and we've talked about this with like, so these, these are stripped down songs, but they've always felt so full. And right. we've talked about like the, the illusion of that fullness, I think, is that the arrangements being so specific and they're not just like layers of guitars. And yeah, also it's not like prog rock or something where sometimes maybe there's like too much going on. Yeah. It's like my head's going to explode. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that either. I don't like that either. Yeah. It's just the right amount. Actually, this next song uh, does that really well, which we'll talk about. So this has been Kiss Me, Son of God, alternate version. And uh, now we're going to move on to the next song on Miscellaneous Tea, which is uh, something I'm really excited to talk about. And it's the biggest one. The biggest one. Hello. Uh, so I have a lot to say about this, so I'll let Dave go first. Wait, you have a lot to say, so you'll let me go first? Um, Dave's going to give you, you an ap- give you an appetizer. And while he talks, I'm going to think about the stuff I have to say as usual, <laughs> and then I'm going to I'm going to go. But um, unless Dave doesn't, unless you don't want to go first. Well, I know you're very excited about this one, <laughs> and I'm kind of. I am. Well, there's a lot to talk I'm about. Chipping at the bit. I I like that it's um, poking fun at oneself for being heavy or <laughs> yeah. getting heavy, or I mean, I guess we'll talk about that a um, little bit. Yeah. And I like. Uh, there's another coffee reference. Oh, hey, coffee. Wait, let's do our little coffee song. Drinking coffee. Coffee. Coffee for coffee for me. Um, yeah, that coffee reference is kind of all the, the stuff I have to say. But before, Ooh. I'll try to do the lyrics in order so that I'm not too mixed around. I know there's references in the song. Sure. So first of all, I have something I'm not sure about. On the wiki, it says that that first part is rock, 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 rock. I always thought it was mm-hmm. rah, rah, rah. That's what I thought, too. And so here's the thing. I listened to a live version where it does sound like rock. Mm-hmm. Rock, rock, rock! You want to run down that pipe? 
but I will put this forth. <laughs> Maybe he was saying rock because they were on a stage and he was just right. like rock, rock, rock. In the song itself, I don't hear a, a CK <laughs> Uh, sounds mm. and I had a I had an interpretation for why it said rah rah rah, so I don't know if that will be moot now. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, this wasn't the exciting thing I was talking about. Don't worry, I'm riveted. <laughs> um, my idea for rah 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 was that it was playing off a cheerleader thing. Yeah, so the yeah. cheerleader cheerleading is the opposite of what this song is, which is the song's about self pity and yeah, shame yeah. and and all those bad feelings that, that we all have. That's um, pretty much what I thought also. So, so yeah, the rah, yeah. rah, rah is like an ironic rah, rah, rah. It's because a funny setup. It's like, what do, who do we love? <laughs> Not me. Yeah. But, you know? Um, so, but if it's, if it is rock, 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 then just, I guess, just ignore this whole thing. Sure. <laughs> so moving on from that though, this is one of the weirdest first lines of a They Might Be Giant song, I have mm-hmm. to say. And I'm only really talking about this, the first half of the first verse, which is the water running down that pipe looks like a snake to me. Doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the song. Yeah, it's it's yeah. interesting. I was really thinking my little brain uh, very hard uh, on this line. I have one idea. I don't, un- I don't know the context of the pipe, except that it kind of fits with that ap- apartment feeling of the album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that maybe he's just kind of looking at his... Broken you know, pipes and broken stuff. pipes, yeah. pro- broken dreams, but looks like a snake to me. I think fits with the idea of so a snake. If you want to like, let's go, let's go biblical with this motherfucker. Um, you know, the snake being the temp- temptation, the mm-hmm. evil, you know, the the evil temptress thing of you know wanting you to butt, bite that apple, but. right? Right, wanting you to butt that butt, butt that apple up against your mouth and bite it. Um, so the idea yeah. that if if you have no one to blame but your fat self because you're making these choices that are making you sad, mm-hmm. the, the idea of like being tempted to eat something hmm. kind of fits with the snake analogy, right? Hmm. And by the way, I, as I say this, like we all can relate, I think, to the, <laughs> these feelings. Sure. So I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm trying not to say this in a judgy way at all. No, no. Because no. I feel like the song is the opposite of that. It's like, we're all, we, we're, we're, all human. Been, we're all been there. So, so that's my idea for that. And you seem a little uh, receptive to what I'm saying. I'm very receptive. But th- yeah, the idea that someone would... That sounded really disingenuous. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> the water. That's Dave's other uh, autobiography I title. apologize. Re- no, I was going to say really disingenuous. <laughs> it's my timber. I can't do anything about it. I think Dave's book should say really disingenuous and then the dis-in should be crossed out. So it's Ooh. like really genuous. <laughs> uh, that'd be so funny. Um... So, the, but it is interesting to me, like the the imagery and the the metaphor or whatever the hell is happening there. The water running down that pipe looks like a snake to me. is is so freaking interesting to me. That's one of my favorite lines. I like the it's imagery. A, yeah. It's a weird line to yeah. be a favorite, but that's sort of why I guess it's. A it favorite. could simply boil down to just staring at something and saying it looks like a snake. Too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we, you, you know. ever like just zone out and stare at no, something, that, and then you just start seeing, thinking of shit. Right, but I don't think that. Even if it does, even if the root of it sort of came from just staring at something and saying, "Oh, that looks like this," it doesn't discount all um, all the other feelings that are going on with the song. If, if you're, you know, because it paints a picture, in other words, of like, let's say someone is just someone staring just sitting in their apartment, yeah. staring at the the under their like, sink oh, or whatever that looks the like hell. A snake. Like, especially like a crappy Brooklyn exactly. apartment in the '80s that yeah. would have like you get what I'm saying. that would have like exposed piping and stuff. That's kind of what I imagine. So there's that, and then the the big surprise I have for Dave is that I spent like 
two days doing crazy detective work about Doc's sugar bowl. Mm -hmm. So there's a few layers to this. Uh, First, I want to say that no one had known what that was for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I was Googling it and I found out what it was. Now, two days after I found out what it was, the Wikipedia updated with what it is. (laughs) Really? Divorced from me, totally separate from me. So, yeah, because I was looking on there and mm. I was like, I feel like I don't remember this. Yeah, that was not there for many years. Wow. Uh, so Doc's Sugar Bowl is a, is a diner that was in Williamsburg, around Williamsburg. Yeah. No one knew that, I think. Most people didn't know that, at least not on the internet, because I looked far and wide. Uh, so then the Wikipedia <laughs> dug up an old interview with Flansburg where he mentions it. And mm. I was a little, honestly, I was a little disappointed because I wanted to be the one to say that. But I have a lot more, though, exciting stuff about Doc Sugar Bowl. So I looked up Doc Sugar Bowl. Uh, you can't find much about it on the Internet, but I found it kind of kind of went behind the curtain of the Internet, if you know what I'm saying. Dave, don't, you didn't. No one knows what I'm saying. Nope. <laughs> but um, I found... Like behind your computer. I found who the owner's son is okay. <laughs> and I've been emailing him <laughs> and he's famous. So this is really weird. Okay. So f- this is what I've been excited to talk about with Dave. Cause this was a particularly <laughs> like surreal. The owner's son. Yes. The okay. son of the owner. So I found out that Doc's sugar bowl is mentioned in the book, Cinderella man. Okay. Cinderella man was made into a, a Russell Crowe movie. Right. right. right? So, it's mentioned in this. Never saw it. So I, I actually borrowed the book digitally, like the, for like a digital library. I mm-hmm. downloaded, like I got a PDF of it and I, I searched for the t- term Doc's Sugar Bowl. Gee whiz. And it's in the acknowledgments at the end where the author. Everything's been leading up to this. So the author of Cinderella Man is Mike DeLisa. I think that's how you would pronounce it. He goes, when I was a boy, my father would let me play in the municipal playground directly across Metropolitan Avenue in front of his Williamsburg luncheonette. Not named yet, but Mm -hmm. he talks about conversations he'd hear at the counter while sitting at the counter there. Then he says, one day for some forgotten reason, you know, a bully punched him in the nose and he he went to the diner. Yeah, he went to the diner and uh, they said, here's your boy. He was fighting in the park. And his dad said, yeah, how do you do? <laughs> and then the other guy at the diner, who I think was a boxer, said he did okay, but he could jab a little more. A customer engrossed in coffee and a crawler asked, did he move his head? For the next 15 minutes, while I sat on the counter sulking with rage, my father and half a dozen customers at Doc's Sugar Bowl carefully dissected my style and technique. Hmm. I was five years old. This one's for you, Dad. So that's how Cinderella Man ends in mm-hmm. the acknowledgments. It's about like how he knew all these boxers growing right. up. And so I, I'm like, okay, let me look up this author. So I emailed him asking for more information about Doc's Sugar Bowl, and he wrote me a ton of stuff. Huh. So uh, I'm just going to take Dave briefly through my exchange with Mike DeLisa. So so he's the son of the owner of Doc Sugar Bowl, and he used okay. to hang out there as a kid. And I I told I started my email by saying this is a bit odd, <laughs> as you have to. How many of your emails have started that way? A lot of emails, a lot of emails. Especially um, related to this podcast. Yeah, very much so. Um, but I, I gave him the context that it's in this song by the band, They Might Be Giants. Right. And I, I gave him the context that they, they write a lot about Brooklyn and things yeah, yeah. around Brooklyn to kind of like to endear him to their sensibilities as a fellow Brooklynite, you know, from that area. He basically told me a bunch of crazy stuff about Doc Sugarbowl, and I'll sum up his emails here. 
Yeah, Doc's this is this is him. He's I think he's like a tough kind of boxery kind of talent. I'm imagining guy. like Matt Murdock's dad. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Doc's was a name. <laughs> if he's listening to this, I am sorry. Um just read it normal. He goes, Yeah, Doc's was a neighborhood fixture for a long time, probably forty years, opened by my father when he was nineteen. Then he said, I really need to write a book about the sugar bowl. Hmm. And then just the story about the Christmas tree war of 1966 <laughs> would make a great film. That's funny. The sugar bowl was neutral turf in a mob neighborhood. So I got to see private meetings between cops, politicians. Whoa. I know. And the local mafia guys like Jimmy Knapp and Sonny Francis. Donald Maines and Mario Biaggi were two of the good guys who used to show up. Joe Colombo gave me a pin for the Italian-American Civil Liberties Union that was formed by the mafia at the time The Godfather came out. Mm. Then he goes, my grandfather used to open the sugar bowl at around 1 a.m. So local guys who were going to clubs, etc. would have a place for coffee before they went home. Hmm. So from 1 to around 5 a.m., it was all young hipsters, and then the truckers started to come in. Right. So that paints a, a picture, and there's a little bit more. So he says, by the way, his grandfather was Doc. So that's the Doc, and Doc's sugar bowl is Mike DeLisa's grandfather. So then he, I asked him to describe more about the diner for me so that I could really imagine the, the narrator of this song sitting there or whatever or passing by whatever he's doing in the song. But he says, small place, maybe five stools and three tables. Great place that was always packed with oddball characters. We lived in one of the apartments upstairs. Then he says, a local mafia guy owned Cool and the Gang, so we all had those records. He got in trouble because he put his name on the LP cover. I mean... This is crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I know this now. <laughs> now you all know this. Another mo- another musician was a guy called Jimmy Angel who used to sell 45s out of the trunk of his car. Docs was there until the early 90s. Then my father was forced to sell another crazy story. And then he, he actually listened to the song and I gave him the lyrics and he says, the only thing I can think of is if your coffee got cold, you were in the place hanging out for a period of time. If you got a counter seat, you could sit there for hours if it was slow. Otherwise, quote, Get up. I got to give Johnny Hyatomic his tripe. I don't, what does that mean, Dave? You got me. Well, that should have been a lyric in the song, I think. Um, so I also asked him for a photo, mm-hmm. and he said he'll find one. It's been a little while since we communicated. Mm-hmm. This was a few weeks ago. But I'm still hoping. I told him like fans would really appreciate a photo, especially of, if you can see the sign, you know, the outside right. sign. So that's hopefully coming. And he wanted me to mention to all you people his next film's website, which is clubdelisa.com. So C-L-U-B-D-E-L-I-S-A. And that looks pretty interesting. I was looking around on there. So check it out. So what do you, uh, what do you, what do you think of all this, Dave? That's a crazy place for someone to hang out. <laughs> yeah, well, what I love about it is um, what it adds to the song. Well, it fits the narrative of the song very well. Well, now I picture like a big <laughs> Sopranos type mafia yeah, yeah. fat guy with a, which a bunch of his buddies. Yes. Right? I mean, I don't know if Flansburg knew about the mafia element and maybe he, maybe part of the DNA of the song is this kind of wise guy, big, big like guys hanging out there, you know? Or, or someone that isn't a part of that, but it's like around them and yeah. they're, they're just kind of like in the middle of this weird, you know, unlikely place yeah yeah so um 
I was extremely excited. I, I've hated delaying the recording of the episode because I'm like, I want to talk about this. And he's really nice. And if he does write a book about Doc Sugar Bowl, I will buy it and I will right. read it because uh, it sounds really interesting. I want to know about the Christmas tree wars. <laughs> it's like, it's like, man, it's waiting to be to be made. That's um, that's the new Netflix series for sure. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, and I just love. I wanted to talk to you also about just like. And I told this to him too. It's just I'm apart from they might be giants. I am interested in, in little diners that closed in Brooklyn or you oh, know. Sure. I mean, me and Dave have had a few favorites that we've gone to over the years. I'm a big fan of diner culture. Yeah, and for the people who who told us that they really like us talking about New York. Um, one of the things about New York City is is you have these kind of eccentric places yeah. that really that pop up and maybe close or or whatever or have they get their own weird culture going like they'll start an open mic or there'll be weird yeah. paintings on the wall or you know what I or mean or some of them will be you know twenty four hours a day um, which sounds like it should be everywhere but I, I've noticed in places outside of New York things close very early oh it's so disturbing whenever I go on on vacation or something yeah. there's nothing to do after like 9 p.m and I can't believe it I mean so if you can imagine you know a diner at three o'clock in the morning in Manhattan on a I don't know dirty street or something <laughs> yeah I think you did that need not even be uh specified <laughs> if can it's you a imagine dirty a dirty street yeah, in Manhattan, I, I can't. So yeah, both both the savior of that the time in the morning and also the danger of that time in the morning. Yeah, well, imagine this little Doc Sugar Bowl, this little closet of a diner filled with a bunch of big mafia guys and everyone getting like cool in the gang records because the guy who owns them <laughs> is giving them out. It's very strange. Amazing. Yeah. Just I'm genuinely amazed by this, this email exchange, and I kept trying to not hope I wasn't coming off as like a, a weirdo. But, you know, he's an author. He's probably used to some some weirdos. Um, so we can move on to other parts of the song, though, because there's certainly more there, lyrically and musically. That really paints the song in kind of a much different light, having that information. Yeah, and it's sort of something I talked about with Nightgown of the Sullen Moon book. It's it's not that we're we're saying that Flansburg knows all this information <laughs> and is referencing it. Right. We're but just it's, saying it's it, there pa- in the yeah, it paints a picture. He he wrote that diner that he passed by into the, the song. It's actually that that we were near that area when we interviewed Joshua Fried in Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. It's it's not there anymore. I actually took a bunch of Google screenshots of what's been there over the past few years because you know Google Maps rather you can go to certain time periods and so you could see things changing. I didn't know that. So there's been a bunch of weird little places in that in that place. Maybe I'll post a little collage to the Twitter. But yeah, I, I to me, like, I feel closer to the song. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, but I've always been interested. He says, buy Doc Sugar Bowl, my coffee gets cold. So I don't know if he's at the counter. He's in the alley. Yeah, like he's passing it or he's standing outside of it. I don't know. Um, but he doesn't want to, he like can't, he's, it seems like he's kind of frozen, you know, if your coffee's getting cold, it's because you're just sort of staring at it and not drinking it or staring at the pipe (laughs) and not drinking it. And then he's got no one to blame, but his fat self. Maybe the pipe's in an alleyway. Yeah. Maybe he's in an alleyway next next to Doc's. I'll post a Google maps of that. Should have changed that stupid lock. Should have thrown away the key. No, no, not I. I will survive right down here on my knee. So then we've got the the next verse, uh, which is extremely very TMBG ish in an interesting way. Uh, Dave, do you want to want to talk about that? I've been talking. Uh, yeah, should have changed that stupid lock. Should have thrown away the key. 
no, no, not I. I will survive right down here on my knees. That's obviously a reference. <laughs> a what? To, uh, what's the name of that song? I Will Survive, Gloria Gaynor. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the info written by, I like to give credit to who wrote it because you don't really hear about that a lot when like a famous singer sings something. Yeah. But it was written by Freddie Perrin and Dino Fakaris. Fakaris. There's a name. But yeah, Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. This is a wonderful reference because it's, it's kind of like the Pal Joey covers where they, they turn this like classic sounding kind of thing into something hyper and weird. And yeah. And this is like, put these two songs next to right. each other. It's kind of a, a funny contrast. So what you're saying is this, this guy in this narrative of this song is the least likely person to survive. So in the Gloria Gaynor song, I mean, it's basically about surviving what, what, what sounds like a sort of like a toxic relationship. Yeah. Cause it, I'll say the, the lyrics that Flansburg is, is inverting here to his own needs, to his own selfish needs is I should have changed that stupid lock. I should have made you leave your key. And then obviously the chorus goes. Oh, no, not I. I will survive. So Flansburg mostly uses those lyrics. He changes yeah. it a little bit, but it's, uh, so the idea is that she's like keeping someone out of her apartment that she doesn't like. Cause she's, I think it's because she's, well, I think it's more that she's keeps being tempted to, to let him in and get back together with him, you know, which is again, another relatable thing. But Flansburg is taking that defiant stance into, and he's inserting it into the least defiant song. Yeah. Or maybe it's defiantly, <laughs> self-pitying and that's what i was saying the least likely person to survive i wonder if you can take those lyrics in their own context even should have changed that stupid lock i mean should have changed that stupid lock should have thrown away the key again this is like an apartment song this Mm -hmm. is like a brooklyn song to me you know yeah your pipes you got your pipes apartment apartment keys apartment locks and uh sad sad guys (laughs) it's brooklyn yeah so I've always thought that was really interesting and, and funny. And I always wonder, like, you know, let's say someone hearing the song live, would they even would they even hear that reference in real time? Because it doesn't, it, mm-hmm. it goes so well with the, the lyrics, you know, with the song, the music too. I think with songs like these that have all these layers, it's too much live to comp- comprehend. Yeah, yeah. And I bet it they get a compute. thrill out of throwing that so much at someone, at an audience, I mean. Uh, so we haven't talked about the music too much. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot to talk about musically with this song. I love this arrangement. I love how the whole song sounds. It's a eclectic arrangement. Yeah, and we've talked about counter melodies. You've got like the accordions doing like that one note. Mm-hmm. You know, accordion comes in, kind of accents the, the that line. The percussion is really wacky. The the little bongo-y yeah, little bongos, I guess. I don't know what that is exactly. The and then you've got that synth, which is another case of them. I don't know what it is. Like that the main riff. Yeah. Like I'm not sure what that 
even is. And then you've got Flansburg's kind of messy, jangly guitar. That riff sounds like maybe a, a pitch-shifted um, trumpet oh, really? or, or some kind of horn. Yeah, like a fake saxophone. Right. Yeah, it does sound like that. But you don't you don't um you don't take it in as a horn. No. That's that's what's interesting about this song and the arrangement to me. And then you've got um Flansburg's vocal performance. Right. <laughs> you know? Another funny voice song. The voice is very funny, but it's it's the voice also, sounds like the biggest one. It sounds exactly what I'm just kind of what I'm trying to say. Like this this character in the song. Some people might think that the song is autobiographical. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that an element of it may be. I mean, it certainly could be, but it seems weird to to not see it as a character because of the way he's singing it. Right. It's not that earnest. Yeah. <laughs> or I mean, but it kind of is. I don't know. Or is it just veiled with the voice? Yeah. The other thing I love about the music is like the stomping quality to it. The like, so like, should have changed that stupid lock, throwing away the, like, no, no, not, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like so fun. It's yeah. so fun to like stomp along to. I wish they did this live still because that, that would be so, I would be so thrilled. <laughs> well, it's funny because that part is fun to stomp along to, but the part with the horn lead is very fluid. Yeah. Especially with the bongos playing. You could really kind of bop and groove down the street to that and then start stomping. Yeah. Yeah. I just love everything about this song. I, I'd put this, I wouldn't say this is a top five, obviously, but I'd put this way up there because again, it's one of those like uniquely, they might be giant songs while it references. I will survive and stuff. There really is no, uh, survival. <laughs> well, there's, there's no, um, I can't tell like a musical source for what's happening. It's, there's it's, no reference point. Yeah. Like often with Flansburg, you can tell what he's going for genre wise. This one is just seems like it just fell out of his like it's created in a vacuum. Yeah, and it just like came out of his his subconscious or something. <laughs> like I don't know how a song like this even happens. Kind of like we were saying with like Nightgown of the Sullen Moon or just like stuff just these short songs that are so like unique and interesting. Yeah. What do you make of the subject matter? Like, what do you think the biggest one is? Do you well, think it's literal or? Well, because I was wondering, like, is it, if it's about a mafia guy, right? it could be like a very Tony Soprano mm-hmm. song, like, I'm the big guy. Right. But it did the double meaning because he's like fat. I mean, he does say his fat self, right? Mm-hmm. But the idea of, yeah, I'm the biggest. It could just be ultra literal. He could just be saying, yeah. I'm the fucking fattest guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I can't help but think about the mafia connection now. Not Again, not that Flansburg knew that those guys were mafia guys. Well, maybe that was just the feel of the place. Yeah, yeah. And I he mean, created the story around that. Exactly, exactly. And also the idea of, it's not just using Doc's sugar bowl because it's a diner, but taking it out of context, like a sugar, a bowl of sugar yeah. <laughs> is because the idea of like the snake is tempting him. And then the next line is about this sugar bowl place, but not knowing the diner, you kind of just hear sugar bowl. You know what I mean? We've talked about the dangers of sugar on the podcast. Already. Yeah, we have already, but imagine a whole bowl of sugar. Mm, I mean, m- my great. point is, is that it, it does work as a double meaning almost because you know, he could have picked any diner. Like there's a great, there's a, for example, there's a great diner named champs that me and my girlfriend go to. It's like a vegan diner. (laughs) Yeah. It's really good. Scoff. But, um, that wouldn't have had that same like feeling as a diner called doc's sugar bowl being mentioned. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
one weird trivia thing about this song that that I saw one day while watching TV is that David Letterman, Letterman Late Show with David Letterman used this song as a musical cue for the segment, a segment called Inaccuracies in the Paris Hilton Interview, oh, which was just basically just them making fun of an interview with Paris Hilton. Yeah. But the, the music was the opening of the song, just right, from the, the, right from the recording. I don't know, but it's such a crazy choice. And I remember being so thrown. Like I was, I think I had Letterman on in the background and then I heard that and I was like, what? It's always kind of jarring when uh, they sneak into the pop culture zeitgeist. Yeah. And like not on an episode of the Simpsons or who do you think on the Letterman show picked out that song for that segment? Maybe Paul, Paul Schaefer's like the musical was the musical director. I think yeah. he's a fan. I mean, I think he's a, they might be Giants fan, but I always wonder that when, I mean, I know they've been on the show plenty when, of times, but yeah, still when, very when, strange when things like that pop up in, in, on a huge spectacle level like that, I almost like, who did that? Cause I, that's like what I would do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. If I like had the power, I would do it. So, but, but that's the biggest one. It's the biggest one for me on the album. Maybe. No, I already said that about it. It's a really good album. I just like most of the songs. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. We're, we're deep into miscellaneous tea, but we're going to, we're going to pull the brakes and uh, I don't think that's the term. <laughs> we're going to pump the brakes. We're going to pump the brakes. We're going to cut the brakes and we're going to cut the brakes, crash the car and, and kill ourselves, move to another country. And we will continue with more miscellaneous tea yes. next time because we have so much to say about these songs. But, but I, I kind of, I'm kind of thinking I like the, the shorter, the under two hour, maybe 90 minute kind of episodes. Uh, I just feel like those are, that's a good time. Good, good length for movies Good length for um, a massage. <laughs> good length for... What else is it a good length for? It's a good... Uh, it's a nice nap. That's a good nap. Ooh, that's a good nap. That's a good nap. That's a good... That's, that's a, a spicy, spicy nap. nap. So... Tune in. Tune in next time for more of miscellaneous tea and more of miscellaneous me. me. <laughs> and, and if you want to... Um, if you want to hang out with us on the internet... I think that's what the kids call it. We have this chat room. We have a chat room. Uh, ignore most of the people in there because they're all perverts. But no, uh, Twitter, it's kind of like the biggest chat room of all in a way. <laughs> it's God's chat room. And it's at Don't Let's Pod is where you would go. And I, I we tweet a lot. We tweet a lot of stuff about the episodes. Uh, we don't we don't t- tweet too much. We don't tweet too much. That's important. That's, we tweet the perfect amount. And uh, you can email us directly at don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. And we reply to emails. We read the emails. We print them out and rub them on our, our bodies. And then... <laughs> That's the best way to read an email. Yeah. And then we actually printer ink is so expensive that we, we should probably stop doing that. And then you can support us if you Speaking want. Speaking of how expensive printer ink is. Yeah. Help us buy printer ink so that we can, we can rub your emails on our bodies. If you want to do the thing, you could go to anchor.fm slash don't let's start and click the purple or push the purple button. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a catchy way to say this uh, to alleviate the uh, discomfort I have with hmm. asking people to give. <laughs> <laughs> Linda's money. Purple um, button is purple fun. Per- yeah. <laughs> Oof. No. Uh, let, let's let's ask our marketing boys uh, about that. Ooh, big thumbs down from them. Okay. Um, push the purple button. Push the purple button with the dollar sign on it. And if if you want, if you are able to, and if it's something you you feel in your heart, 
uh, we would feel that in our hearts. Yes, and, and that's what it's all about, right? Love. Love, love, love. Makes the world like go around. Like that song. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. And, yeah, and for the future and, episodes too. Jordan, you look like you got something to say. Yeah, Dave. Um, I'm not the only dust my mother raised. Fucking asshole. Uh, can we take that again? And can you really, uh, can you hit dust? Um, I'm not the only dust my mother. <laughs> Why would I hit dust? You should hit dust. <laughs> All right. Well, one more time. How about hit raised? Okay. Um, I'm not the only dust my mother raised. Now that makes no sense. Okay. Now hit I'm. I'm not the only dust my mother raised. We got it. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. So this next song is called, is brought to you by the letter B, and is called Birthday. That's right. Which is short for some longer name for the song that we used to know what it was and don't care anymore. I don't even remember what key the song is in. What key is the song in? Oh, yeah. I do remember. I just didn't remember that I remembered. So does it start with just me and you, John? Uh, yes, or does it, it does. start with the Smothers Brothers? <laughs> right. Did Penn and Teller used to do this song, or did we do this song? I can't remember. Well, the rain falls down about my head. I'm afraid when my lawn gets wet, the wide with hell I can set. When this gray world crumbles like a cake, I'll be hanging from the hook that I'll never see that recipe again.